Acts chapter 18. I have a message. And, um, you know, I, I, I love to go through the Bible and find obscure uh, messages and thoughts. And uh, God, God just gives them to me at times as I study and just, just things that, you, you know, you normally wouldn't hear preached. And I went through all of my history and my sermons and my messages, and I ain't never preached this before. And uh, this may seem like to some, well, you know, uh, maybe not what you wanted to hear today, but God is going to say something to us. We have a lot to learn. Praise God. You know, the, the, the climate of the hour is a very uh, thin-skinned climate we live in, you know. Um, and, and if you disagree with me, I'm just going to tell you that you're not opening your eyes and seeing what's going out on out, not only in the world politically, globally, but just in the very demeanor and, and attitude and nature of, of, of the people in the world and, and even somehow has bled over into the church where we have a, a very weak need kind of person. And, and we need to have a backbone in this hour. We need to have uh, intestinal fortitude. What does that mean, Pastor? That's a good way of saying the guts. Come on now. Amen. We need to have some thick skin and be willing to endure hardness like a good soldier. Praise God. You know, I think, oh Lord, if they ever had a draft in the age that we're living in, the kind of soldiers that they would have. You, you, you know, whenever you've got the leader uh, 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 general or whoever, I don't even know who he is, but I just know that they're more worried about pronouns and all of that because of the woke agenda. But in the military, I can tell you, you can't worry about that kind of stuff. That's absolutely ridiculous, insane, whenever somebody's in a foxhole and they're getting about ready to get their head shot off. You know, we need to have some, some, some people that are militant in their mentality Amen. and in their attitude, you know. And, uh, but we have a, a generation that has been sired by a bunch of weak people. And now we've got what we've got today. But church, that's not us. That can never be us. <laughs> Amen. It can never be us. The Apostle Paul sent John Mark home and he said, I leaned on that reed once and it broke. I don't want him back, Barnabas. And him and Barnabas butted heads. Now John Mark did come back. God did something in him. You know, and so this morning I have a message out of Acts chapter 18 and I've entitled it, The Beating That Changed a Man's Life. The Beating That Changed a Man's Life. Now in Acts chapter 18, the Bible says starting in verse 12, and we're going to read some more uh, as we get through the message uh, from the first part of the chapter, but starting in verse 12, and let's pray over the word and then we'll, we'll get right into it. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come and to break open the bread of life. And Lord, I pray that you would begin to minister, Lord, unto this congregation 
that you would speak life to them, Lord, because we're living in a wicked age, a dark age, an end time age, an antichrist spirit has infiltrated, Lord, this whole earth, Lord. It's always been, but Lord, it's greater in its intensity. And God, darkness is unified. The church needs to be unified, Lord, because, Lord, we're going to be confronted with things in this hour. And you said in your word, Lord, that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force, Lord. There's something that has to be birthed in us, something that has to be forged in us, something that has to be done in us, God, in this hour. Give us that faith. Give us that backbone. Give us that strength, Father God. Lord, I pray to fight the good fight of faith in this hour, and we'll give you all the glory. Help me today, Lord. Anoint these lips of clay and preach through me, Father, today, and encourage and build up this church on this most holy faith. We thank you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And it says in verse 12, And when Galileo was the deputy of Achaia, the Jews made insurrection with one accord against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuaded men to worship God contrary to the law. In other words, he was teaching them about Jesus being the Messiah. And when Paul was now about to open his mouth, I love this, Galileo said unto the Jews, If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. He's, let me read that again. If it were a matter of wrong or wicked lewdness, O ye Jews, reason would that I should bear with you. In other words, what he was saying is if it were because of something that was really worthy of me standing here and dealing with a problem, I'd do it. He said, I'd bear it with you. He said, but if it is a question of words and names and of your law, look you to it, for I will be no judge over those matters. He was not a Christian. Galileo was not a Christian. He was a judge. He was a, a, a leader, uh, you know, sent from the Romans. But the Bible says that he told them, I'm not dealing with your religious disputes. You got a problem, you deal with it yourself. You got a problem with a man that's a murderer or that's done something against the Roman law. Okay, I'll deal with it. But I'm not going to deal with your religious church disputes. Get out of here. That's what he told them. And the Bible says, But if it be a question of words or names and of your law, look to it, for I will be no judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. I mean, when it says he drove them, he picked them up by the nap of the neck and said, Get out of here. He was like a judge saying, get out of my courtroom. This is ridiculous. And the Bible says, then all the Greeks, which really in other translations means Jews. You say, but it says Greeks, Pastor. Well, there are American Christians and American Muslims and American Buddhists. There's American Indians. Okay, so Greeks were from Greece or that area. But there were Jewish Greeks. There were Jews that were Greek. There were, there, when we went to, uh, uh, to Israel, there were Arab Jews. 
there were, you know, uh, Orthodox Jews, and then there were all different kinds. I mean, you, 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 just, you just have to understand there were people that are Arab Israelites, but they're not Jews. There are Jews that are, that, are, that are Jewish, and they're in Israel, but they're not even really Jewish. They're nothing. And so, but, but it says that the Greeks, which meant the Jews, the ones that brought him before, brought, uh, that actually had brought Paul, are now dealing with this man named Sosthenes. And the Bible says, Then all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the chief ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him before the judgment seat. And Galileo cared for none of those things. Now turn over with me to 1 Corinthians 1. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, the man that just got beat in Acts chapter 18. Now, let me preach this to you for a minute. This is such an interesting and encouraging chapter and account in the life of Paul but also in many others' lives, and you're going to see that. You could almost make a movie out of this particular story and account that I'm going to speak to you about this morning in Acts chapter 18. You know, Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for the good to those who love God and are thee called according to His purpose. All things work together for the good, even the bad things that happen. Even the bad things that happen. I was sharing this last week, and I, I was talking about how that we, we, we believe God for the will of God, and things happen, and, but, but whenever we do something that's wrong, and we, we suffer a consequence, we blame the devil. Well, I just want to tell you right now that all things work together for the good, even the consequences that we go through, because God is doing something in our life. He's building something in our life. All things work together, even the bad things, even the chastening times. Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We make a lot of plans, but God has his plan, and God works towards his plan. It is his will to do his perfect will in your life. And he works to do, to will and to do for his good pleasure in your life, in my life. Everything's working towards our good. When I first got saved and I moved to California, you know, I had a behavior about me that I would work on a job till somebody made me mad and then I'd just go down the road and I knew how to interview and I could get a job like that. I just went to another job. And I, I remember one year I had about eight different uh, W-2s, amen. And I had to go and my a tax person that did that looked and said, you had that many jobs? I said, yes. You know, when somebody, I didn't tell them this, but as a Christian even, as a Christian, as somebody upset me, I just go down and get me another job that's just the way I was what I was doing was I was avoiding any kind of chastening any kind of dealing with my life even in the natural realm because all things work together for the good amen 
I remember whenever I, I, we, we got married and Sister Skiles and I were, were married about two or three months and she had a, a, a family friend that her dad got me a job in the union and I went on the job and I had my hard hat. I wore my hard hat to work. That's how dumb I was. Some of you didn't get that unless you worked construction. They made fun of me in Spanish and English. Amen. I had my... <laughs> I had, come on now, church, amen. I had my bucket. I had all my tools, you know. I had my lunch with Sister Skull's red hearts on there, and I love you and everything else with my sandwich stamped out in a heart, you know, shape. You know, here I am. And I went to work, had my heart on. They were making fun of me. I got on that job. And, you know, this, this, this wet behind the ears green young man that's a Christian, you know, got down there in that ditch with the pastor's brother. You know, I'm seeing him up there worshiping God on, on Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I thought, man, I've got it made in the shade. Praise the Lord. I don't want to be, you know, a, a talk too rough. I don't want to be, you know, abused or anything here on this job. I just want to, you know, I want to I just have it easy street. You know, that's the mentality I had, you know. But I couldn't go to another job. This was the best job I'd ever had. And I couldn't go backwards. I had to go forward. And so, but what I didn't realize is God was doing something something in me. He was building something in me. All things were working together for the good. And I remember getting down in that ditch, lifting 10 and 12 inch pieces of cast iron pipe with Dale Downs. And he was awesome. Amen. He was an awesome friend. He was an awesome, you know, guitar player and a brother in the Lord. But when we got on the job, he was real business. Let me tell you, he didn't mess around. I said, he's the only person that ever cursed me out without using a curse word. We were down in that ditch and he said, pick it up. And I thought, he called me, <laughs> pick it up. I'm over here holding this. I'm 65 years old. Pick it up. And I thought, man, we lifted that thing up and them, them, them uh, other uh, uh, foremen and and. Uh, all them other workers in there, they, they, they made fun of me. They laughed at me. And, and they put pipe on my shoulder and I fell back and I dropped a piece of pipe, broke a piece of pipe, it shattered. And, and they were laughing. They were in the floor laughing so hard. And I said, I'm going to quit. And I thought, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Best thing ever happened to me because it caused me to have longevity on my job and to stay no matter what you go through, what you like or don't like or what people say to you or what they do or don't do or whatever. It caused me to be consistent and stable through every season of my life no matter what. Even when you're called a bucket of pew, even when you're called a dumb sucker, even whenever you're called everything you can imagine but a child of God, and you're down there, and I learned something. I got grit. I learned how to be a plumber. I learned how to run pipe. I learned how to work hard. I learned how to deal as a Christian in a life and in a profession where there were hard men that didn't care about your feelings. Well, we have to learn something in our Christian experience. And let me share something with you. I want you to understand as we go through this backstory. Paul, 
and, and, and uh, Acts chapter 18 comes to Corinth. And he connects with Aquila and Priscilla in verses 1 through 3. They had the same craft. They were both tent makers. And so he makes tents with them. He's working with them. But he always took an opportunity to preach. So he's tent maker by day and by the evening. He's in the synagogues or maybe whenever he had downtime. He's in the synagogues, especially every Sabbath. And he's persuading the Jews and the Greeks. And uh, I love that. Because we should always take an opportunity to minister in everywhere we have possible, every door that's open to us. No matter a restaurant, no matter a gas station, no matter a park bench, no matter where I'm at, I'm always trying and thinking and being led by the Spirit. Sometimes God wants you to talk. Sometimes He doesn't want you to say a word. But we need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. But He always took an opportunity to preach according to verse 4. And in verse 5, the Bible says, And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. That tells me something. He's pressed by the Holy Ghost to preach Jesus is the Messiah. Maybe he was a little soft peddling it and don't act like the Apostle Paul never had or went through times where there was a fear of man. He wrote about every instance in your Christian life and things that you would go through concerning fear of man, concerning being beaten, persecuted. He went through it all and taught us all. We learn more from the Apostle Paul than anybody concerning persecution in a person's life for preaching. But he he preaches Jesus is the Messiah. I think it's so awesome because Timothy and Silas begin to come. It's awesome when you got people with you. Amen. I got word that Tony Almond over there in India, he met up and he with a, in, in one of the services and there's a lady demon possessed. You know, he's there by himself with preachers he didn't know. We don't know if they're Holy Ghost filled. We don't know if they know anything about Pentecost, but we know he's there and that demon-possessed girl like to drug him to the back door. He's dealing with her. And God wants us to go out by twos. That's why He sends you out by twos. Don't go alone. Amen. But the Bible says that He told them and testified to them, the Jews, that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, in other words, they rejected it, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood is upon your own heads. I'm clean from henceforth. I'm going to go to the Gentiles. He said, I'm free of your blood. I've preached to you as the watchman, as the evangelist, and I've done what God told me to do. You've rejected it. The blood is upon your own head. You're responsible for your rejection. And he said, I'm free of your blood. Blood. So he goes to the Gentiles, which just happened to be next door. Why is that so interesting, Pastor? Because the Bible says he departed thence, and he entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshipped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. Can you imagine? He goes out, and he goes right next door, and he's having church next door to the church that just kicked him out. I love this. Surprisingly, in verse 8, the chief ruler of the synagogue where he was just at that kicked him out got saved. That's what happened. 
The Bible says, And Crispus, the chief ruler, verse 8, of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. There is a key that opens the door to every family and every community. There are people that get saved and there is a myriad, a multitude of people that come from their life to Christ because they have such a sphere of influence. And Crispus was one of those. He was the preacher in the synagogue that got born again. God said in His Word, I will place a table before you in the presence of your enemies. That which was His enemy now becomes His brother in Crispus. There's always another harvest field. So you get kicked out of the school. There's another harvest field. So you get kicked out of the Walmart parking lot. There's another harvest field. So they tell you you can't do this in the park. You can't have a barbecue and a rally. You can't go preach in the streets. You can't do There's always another harvest field. God said just go, I'll lead you. There's another harvest field. Praise the Lord. So, but God will place a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I believe they were seeing such tremendous fruit from the revival that was taking place. And we know that the devil got stirred up because the scripture talks about that. We're going to get into it in just a minute. But the devil got stirred up. But God began to give Paul a promise. Because the Bible says in verse 9, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. There's a lot there. Why would God say that if Paul wasn't afraid? He was afraid. There was a fear. There was probably a threat upon his life, even though it doesn't say that everywhere he went there was a threat upon his life because the devil doesn't want you invading his territory but we are supposed to go in and take the land take the and possession of the land go into other territories and places and we're to take the land we're to take and seize our very own city of La Habra of Brea of Whittier of La Mirada of Fullerton we are to seize. Amen, Placentia. We're to seize everywhere we place our foot. Begin to share the gospel. There's a harvest field. And the devil's going to get mad. And the devil got mad. But God told Paul, don't you be afraid. I'm with you. You speak what I tell you to speak. Don't be afraid to speak. And hold not thy peace. But speak. No man shall hurt thee, for I have many people in this city. In other words, I got a lot of work I'm wanting to get done there. Now listen, anytime you go and you begin to make a dent upon the enemy's camp, he's going to rear his ugly head. Amen. You know, if demon-possessed people come in and get set free, say, why does that happen here and not other places? We're making a dent. 
I don't care what anybody thinks. We're making a dent. We're invading that. We're coming into the enemy's territory where there's been addicts, where there's been drug addicts and alcoholics and homosexuals and lesbians. We're coming into that area and we're saying this is the way, walk in it. You can be free from perversion. You can be free from pornography. You can be free from the gangs. We come in and we invade that. Amen. We invade the land that God has given unto us and he's given us this city. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to be confronted with a devil. Brother Talbert went to the Philippines. And, and you know, it's better that we don't know the things sometimes that take place. He was there and there was a witch doctor in that, that city, that village where he was. And he's preaching. And the people were just kind of looking at him. They weren't really making their way towards, you know, hearing the gospel and responding to it. And he said, there was a witch doctor and she basically sent word to him. Either you're going to leave or I'm going to leave and I'm not leaving. I've been here all these years. This is my territory. And Brother Talbert said, we ain't leaving either. We've come here to bring light and a dark area and show the truth to people and he said I went down went down to the lake one day me and brother Olipio and he said we're down there and we're swimming in the water taking a bath getting all cleaned up and he said all of a sudden he said the whole community came out and they're staring at us out there in that water out there hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people said they just kept coming and just kept coming you know he said my God what are they doing they're out here wanting to see us all naked and out here with no clothes on you know and he said we're out there and he said we're just doing the backstroke and we're swimming we're having a big old time and he said we finally come out of the water after about 15-20 minutes and we're walking up putting our clothes on and, and he said we walked up and the interpreter was just looking at us and he said you swim with the lizards brother Talbert said lizards What's lizards? They found out through the interpreter that that lake was plumb full of crocodiles and alligators. And they're out there doing the backstroke. <laughs> Brother Talbert said to the preacher, he said, Why <laughs> did you let me swim out there where my life could have been taken from me? He said, I didn't know they were out there either, brother. But what was so awesome is what the enemy tried for the negative and for destruction through that witch doctor who would go down and throw hogs and chickens and feed those alligators, making them very hungry and knowing that that's the place. You know, they throw bodies out there if they wanted to execute somebody. They just that was just their savage, savage, brutal justice or way that they lived. He said, "We're walking up there, and all those people are looking at us like we're." some kind of gods and he said all of a sudden we had this massive audience and we began to preach amen the gospel and the witch doctor packed her stuff and left
Pastor Lee shared with us in this church. I believe it was in this church. If it wasn't, it was at another church. Amen. But he said when he was in the Dominican Republic, he said they were preaching and nobody was moving. And he said they worshipped. And he said for an hour, but nothing happened. And he said they, they began to preach and the rain fell. He said it was hitting that tin roof. It was so loud. It was so powerful. It was so loud. He couldn't even preach enough for them to hear him. And so he said for a minute, I just began to walk around that chapel of about 30 or 40, 50 people and he said I walked back there to the back and he said I stuck my head out the window or the the, the wall the tent of that little thatch hut uh, not thatch hut because it had a metal roof but but he said I looked out there and he said there was a cloud up there with a man's face on it and he said there was rain coming right over that chapel only you imagine having a space as big as this room and the rain's coming right down on that spot and he said, I looked up at that and I began to rebuke that. And he said, it stopped. And he said, then we went back up there and here come the worship team. He said, oh, no, no, no. We've worshiped for an hour. Sit down. You're going to hear the word of God. He didn't just call us to sing songs about a God we don't know. But he called us to preach the gospel. He said, multitudes in that place. About everybody got saved. People filled with the Holy Ghost saved. There is an attack of the enemy that comes. Just get used to it. It's going to happen where you invade, where you begin to minister to somebody's family and somebody gets saved. It's like that wife that gets saved and her husband, who's an alcoholic, says, you go to church, you come home, I'm going to beat you. Well, she come home and he would beat her and she'd still go back to church, black eyes and everything else. But she said, I love God more than I care to be safe and delivered from your beating. I will go and serve God if he beats me every week. Well, he got born again. Praise the Lord. But God knows how to bring good out of bad situations. I don't advocate abuse. You know that, church. I'm just saying that we're going to go through things in our life and we need to understand that the eternal glory, the eternal reward, everything that we receive eternally is worth it all. External gain, Paul learned in revival often brings personal pain. We act as if Paul was this figure who never felt pain. That's not true. He felt pain. He felt fear. He went through it. But we act like when we read the Word of God because we only hear the testimonies of such a great man. It's almost like he went through it and it didn't phase him. I can tell you he felt the pain of the, of the stripes across his back. He was stoned and left for dead. And there's a, there's a part of that scripture in Acts that says whenever he was stoned and left for dead, they all stood around him looking at him. If I'm ever down in the floor, don't stand there and look at me. Pray for me. Pray for me. But we act as if Paul was this figure who never felt pain, but he did feel pain. He experienced it. There's a reason the Lord spoke verses 9 through 10 as we read. He was stoned at Antioch. And that was in his memory. He was beat at Philippi. And that was fresh in his mind. 
But God was encouraging Paul, don't quit. Don't quit. Be faithful. I am with thee. I am with thee. Now I know this morning you all are a Holy Ghost bunch. And you like me to swing from those pipes up there and shout and jump on the edge of these chairs. But I'm going to tell you, God fills you, fills you with the Holy Ghost. And he puts something down deep within you and gives you something down deep within you. So that whenever he sends you out, he empowers you to send you out to be used to preach the gospel, to minister. Because you're going to need the Holy Ghost when the persecution is turned up. When the fires of persecution are turned up, you better hope you have enough Holy ghost amen because the enemy wants to bring you to a place to quit but you cannot quit you cannot stop and he was saying to him in essence Paul keep speaking keep preaching don't worry about what they're saying or doing nobody's going to hurt you there's a lot of work to be done here so many lives depend upon what you do and with your preaching you got to understand like he told Timothy not only will you save yourself but you'll save those that hear you listen to me there is a special anointing on people's lives. And that anointing is in concert with who you are as a minister. God spoke that to me last night. I didn't get it out of a book. He said, look at the Bible. Look at people's lives. There's an anointing upon specific people's lives. Well, everybody that is, has an anointing on their life, everybody, every preacher, everybody that has an anointing on their life, there's a specific uh, personality and attitude and, and, and way of life that they have. And that anointing, I'm telling you, works in concert with that person's personality. And you're going to notice as they begin to get, somebody gets saved under their ministry, they take on a, a very similar identity and nature. I know it's God. I know it's Christ. But, you, you, you know, it, it, I'm just going to tell you, you'll hear a preacher and you hear men that got saved under him that are preachers. They're very, very similar. Where there's somebody that has a prophetic anointing, a lot of times the people that are under them carry that anointing too. It's very, very transferable in a sense. You see that. Paul said, I want to impart something to you. Now, God's the one that allows that and does that, but there is a special anointing on people's lives, and that anointing is in concert with who you are as a minister. And I believe it affects those who are fruit from your ministry. Often they are very similar to you. Paul told Timothy, endure hardness like a good soldier. What he was telling him is, Timothy, you can't be weak. Son, you can't be weak. You've got to be strong in the Lord. And so endure hardness as a good soldier. I was reading this this morning. Stay here with me. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
verse 3, this is what it says. He said, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier. And then he went down to verse 9, because this is who Paul was. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. And he was saying, I go through all kinds of things, but it's not going to stop the word of God from coming forth. The word of God is not bound. I may be bound up, but I'm going to preach to you and my persecution and in my being captivated because they've arrested me for preaching the gospel. I may have arms behind my back. He said, but let me tell you, the word of God's not bound. Timothy, I mean not Timothy, but Silas, let's sing. Let's worship God in this prison. Let's sing. And God began to break the chains and they began to preach the word and the multitudes were saved in that prison that day. God knows how to free you and let you know today don't let the word of God be bound because because God is not bound and his word is not bound no matter your circumstances my God in heaven he said therefore I endure verse 10 all things for the elect's sake the elect their sake I endured that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory he said in verse 12 if we suffer we'll reign with him too we may go through a beating we may go through suffering we may go through a lot of things but we're going to reign with him one day. Hallelujah. We're going to reign with him one day. My God. Hallelujah. And he said, I suffer and go through it for the elect's sake because people are listening to your message. And if you don't believe it, why would they believe it? If you don't stand in adversity, why would they stand in adversity? If you don't stand in the time of persecution and trouble, why in the world would they? But he said, the word of God is not bound, Paul. Uh, Timothy, rather. He said, God, God, amen, will see you through and give you something down deep within you that no matter where you're at, you still keep preaching and singing and praying and believing. You don't say, I'm going to hang my harp on the willow tree. He ain't got nothing to say. Because there's a world out there that's requiring of you a song. They're saying, wait a minute, the God of that Bible. You know, it just amazes me how people that don't believe the Bible, they say they don't believe the Bible, but whenever you don't live up to your Bible, they call you on it. I said any atheist that comes up to you and they're angry because the evil in the world and God did this, they do believe in God. They say they don't, but they do. It's the person that says, ah, that's good for you, and walks away, that doesn't want to argue with you. They really don't believe. But there are people that are angry because the God that they have envisioned in their mind is not the God of that Bible. He's God, and He does what He's going to do, no matter what we think or say. He's God. But church, there are beatings that come. Sostenus. Amen. I guess he was Spanish. 
he's Sostenes if he's white, and, and Sotines if he's Spanish, Hispanic. Oh, it's all right. You can laugh. My goodness. Come on, church. Knock some starch off of you. <laughs> goodness gracious. You know, amen. I don't care what you call me as long as you don't call me late for dinner. I've been called everything you can imagine. White boy, honky, cracker, everything. I don't care. Well, you're white. That's why you don't care. I don't care. Amen. I've been called everything you can imagine. I've been cussed at. I've been yelled at. I've been persecuted on the job. I've been a lot of things. But let me tell you, Jesus died for me. I'm born again. And I'm the happiest man in the room because of what he's done for me. I say all of this today. Because of Sosthenes, the man, the main character of the story. Stay here with me, please. See, Paul stayed in Corinth a year and a half. That's what it says in Acts 18, in verse 11. And they lost their senior pastor, which was Crispus, to the gospel. So he's seen God move. Crispus has moved out of the way, and they said, we got to put an interim pastor in here. I'm just talking in layman's terms. Oh, yes, he was a chief ruler of the synagogue. He was the leader. They said, we got us a a new pastor. And so they got uh, 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 Galileo came into town. And uh, Paul, they said, now we've got somebody that's going to rule in our favor. We, We got a new pastor and we got a new judge. Be careful (laughs) because sometimes whenever lawyers try to move it to another jurisdiction or another, uh, you know, judge, it doesn't always work out like they thought. Amen. We need to pray like never before for the judges in the hour that we're living in because there's a lot, a lot, a lot of, uh, of rulings and Judication that goes on that's very biased on both sides. And it doesn't need to be that way. It needs to be straight down the middle. You understand what I'm saying? Amen. Amen. Uh, No matter which side you're on, and this is all I'm going to say about this, but whichever side it's on, it needs to be fair. It can't be imbalanced. Amen. What are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is if they're going to throw Trump to the wolves, they need to do the for the other side too. That's what I'm saying. Amen. Well, they didn't. I don't even want to get into that. I'm just going to tell you what's good for the goose is good for the gander. It needs to be fair. And we need to pray in this hour that there's going to be fairness in our judicial judgments. Amen. It needs to be fair. But Gaius or uh, Galileo, uh, rather, comes in and he's deputy. And so they lost their pastor, Crispus, to the gospel. He's serving God and his family. And Corinth is being swept by revival in this passage. And in verse 12, Paul's brought before Galileo and he rejected their cause and threw them out in verse 16 as we read earlier. One of the things that I love about this is that Paul's getting ready to say, let me plead my case. And before he could say, Galileo says, let me tell you what I'm going to say. I've already ruled. Well, I'll just go over here and sit down. 
Just let God fight your battles. He'll turn the, the enemy's favorable advocate on himself. Amen. You know that person on your job that just seems to get away with murder? Just pray, Lord, you know what? I want to keep a good attitude. I want to stay right before you. And I'm praying and believing that you are not going to allow this injustice to go on, but that in your time, you're going to cause it all to come. Gam, uh, I'm sorry. Haman will hang from his own gallows. Who's that, Pastor? Oh, folks, we need to read our Bibles. Read the book of Esther. Haman was made gallows for Mordecai to hang from, but he hung from him himself. Amen. Amen. Even as a Christian, be careful who you step on going up the ladder. Because you might have to crawl back over them coming back down. <laughs> so Paul's brought, told don't say nothing. And in verse 17, the Bible says that after the ruling and they were thrown out of that judgment seat, they were furious. And they said, we can't take it out on Paul. He was just found innocent. Get that lame preacher in here that did this. So here comes Sosthenes. And they beat him. Beat him. You know, there have been times I've seen people, when they couldn't get mad at the person they wanted to get mad at, they got mad at somebody else. I've seen people that got so mad. I saw a woman one time, she got mad, and she couldn't take it out on somebody, so she took it out on the poor dog. I thought, oh, yeah, it was pretty sad. And I thought, this poor dog's getting slapped half to, half to death, and he, she didn't even do anything. She just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. What I'm saying to you is that they beat Sosthenes. They beat him. But you know what happened? I want you to see the build-up to this moment and how God orchestrated all things. God allowed it to happen. God allowed it to happen. Why did he allow it to happen, Pastor? Because all things work together for the good to those who are the called according to his purpose. And ultimately, we're all called to his purpose. We all don't fall in line in that purpose willfully because people make their own choice. They have a free moral choice and they do what they want to do. But God would wills for everybody to be saved. Whosoever will. Amen. He loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever will. Amen. Whosoever believeth in him, uh, you know, shall not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes in him. So all things work together for the good. The beating came and for the good will of God. Many of us have had to go through beatings, but it was a whooping that changed our lives. We don't like to hear that, but it's the best whooping. Some of us have had several. And it was good for us. It was good. For some, it was a, a severe uh, breakup in your life. Or some lost their job and they got fired. Some had such a harsh, rough patch in your marriage and you may be there today. You may have just heard, I want a divorce. And you say, what am I going to do now? All I can tell you is that God is in control of all things. And He's working all things for the good. And no matter what happens in your life, 
No matter whether you go through a divorce or you go through a bankruptcy or you go through the loss of a loved one or you go through a spiritual valley or you go through some traumatic thing in your life, God is still God. God is still God. There's still work to be done. There's still a life to live. There's still an eternity, amen, to look forward to. This life is but a vapor. Some it was just you were overlooked for a promotion on your job. Some people it was spiritual warfare that you went through. But church, we cannot give up. I had a man one time went to the jail with me, but he wasn't going very long, making great impact in that jail. And he's speaking. But everything went haywire and chaotic in his life, in his marriage, in his family, in his business. And he quit. That all, if that's all the enemy has to do, he'll do it. If all the enemy has to do is cause your children to get sick every week, you'll never be in church. Every week, I'm going to say it again. Every week, people, well, the babies were sick. Okay. Amen. It seems like they're sick three times out of the month. You're gone more than you're here. If all the enemy has to do is bring somebody into town for you to say, we're going to skip church this morning. We're going to rally around the table with the family. No, tell them. We go to the house of God on Sunday. We'll be back in two hours. And if you don't want to go, just cook us up something. And when we get back, we'll come back and eat and fellowship together. But we're not going to miss the house of God. Come on now. God's called us as stewards to be faithful. We have the mysteries of life, the mysteries of God. We're to be faithful. But there's a lot of things that take place in our life that, would, that are meant to knock us out. Higher levels always means higher devils. Sister Skiles and I were, 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 were primed and groomed for a position at one time in a church. And then at the last minute, it was ripped out from underneath us. And we had to stand there in grace and just say, God is God. We're not going to act like babies. We're not going to act like, you know, the, 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 these people that cannot go through anything. The enemy meant to destroy us. But God said, this spanking is good for you. It's going to be good for you. We both wanted to leave. We both wanted to jump ship. But I I, God spoke to me. I remember right where I was, right there at Steel and Central. And He said, If you run now, you'll run the rest of your life. You need to understand this is bigger than your petty feelings. It's bigger than your offenses. It's bigger than what you didn't get that you thought you were going to get. And He said, There's something greater ahead. If you'll pass this test, you'll go to the next level. Well, let me tell you something. God put us in there. We were assistant youth pastors. But two years later, I'm senior pastor of one of the greatest churches God ever birthed in this city. Because you can't get promoted if you're not willing to grow and go through the hurt and heartache and pain. And this word we hate, disappointments. No matter what. You know, one of the greatest stories that I ever heard was Daryl Turner. He said his brother died. I believe it was in a car accident. A drug, drug addict. Backslid. He said, my mother got up 
the next morning got behind the pulpit and opened up that hymn book and said, let's stand. We're going to sing the songs of Zion. Standing there behind that pulpit just lost her son the day before. But she stood there and she sang with victory. Because let me tell you, because let me tell you, no matter what, amen, no matter what you go through, God is still God. Amen. He's still God. Woo! <laughs> There's going to be some beatings. There's going to be some trials. Uh, some people feel like I've, I've just been beat a lot, you know. Well, hang on. Amen. It's making something in you. It's making you stronger. It's building something in you you never had before. It's doing something profound in you. And now I know what, why God wanted me to say this. As I laid there in that hospital bed back in 2006 in February, Weary. As I laid there, I remember speaking to God and saying, God, I don't know why this has happened. And at first, I began to feel myself turning in on myself. But I thought, you know what? I've lived for you for so long, so far. I've been a Christian for many years now. I've been a pastor for six. And here I am in this hospital bed. And here I am. And it just hit me. Are you going to be mad at God? You know, I could never get mad at God. It always irritated me when people got up and said, I've been angry with God and I had to forgive him. No, no, no. You need to ask God to forgive you. But I, I, you don't ever forgive God. You ask him to forgive you. Amen. He's not a God. Amen. That you have to go to him and say, I need you to forgive. I need you. I need to forgive you for what you did for did to me or put me through. But I laid there in that bed and I said, said, God, I said, I'm not angry with you. I remember saying that. I'm not angry with you. I'm not mad at you. I want you to know, Lord, that I love you. You are my God. Amen. You loved me when nobody loved me. You cared about me when nobody cared about me. You showed me how to be a man. You showed me how to be a Christian man. You showed me how. You showed me what it meant, the purpose of my life, the reason and I'm in existence today to serve you, to worship you. I couldn't be mad at you. I couldn't be mad. This may have happened, but I'm not mad. Whew. You know, some people can't get to the next phase of faith and believing God because they can't get past their mad at God. And that's a Holy Ghost right there. That ain't out of a commentary book. You can't move to the next place until you get past all of your nonsense. And I said, I ain't mad, Lord. I'm not mad. No, 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 no. No. But I'm laying here in this bed. Here I am. And I said, I'm not mad. But Lord, I want you to know I love you. And you are my portion. Listen to me. You are my portion. Amen. The man that wrote it is well, wrote it on a boat coming back from a time of losing his wife and his children to a death and a disease. 
but he wrote that song, It Is Well With My Soul. Amen. God knows how to give you peace when you don't have any. When you rely upon him and you depend upon him, no matter what the circumstances are, you got to know, hallelujah, it'll be worth it after all when we see Jesus. Though this trial I'm going through is just a temporary thing, but I said, Lord, you are my portion and I love you. Oh, hallelujah. And I said, Lord, if you choose to heal me, because ultimately it's not whether you can but will you that's what the leper said if thou wilt thou can heal me thou can cleanse me and I said Lord if you will you can heal me Uh, hallelujah will you heal me and I said if you don't I will never be mad I'm going to serve you the rest of my life if I'm a quadriplegic if I'm in this bed and all I can do is pray almighty God you're my portion and about that time the spirit of God said everybody that ever heard Jesus say take up my bed and walk when they got up and obeyed him they began to be healed and I'm telling you God said you got a window you better move while you can move and the spirit of God hit me and I put my feet on the ground and I began to walk and I walked right out of that hospital healed by the power of God God touched me from the top of my head to the sole of my feet he is the healer He is the healer. No matter what beating you go through, no matter what trial you go through, he is the healer today. He is the healer today. Church, lift your hands and praise him today. Praise him today. You may go through the beating, but God wants to change you. He wants to save you. He wants to change you from the man, a man who was beaten down in false religion to a man who is now a brother and who has a testimony. My God, let's stand. 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 Worship team, come. Lupe, come. Come, come, hurry. Folks, come. Help our sister up here. Amen. Church, stay in the attitude of prayer. Stay in the attitude of prayer.